Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Today's episode is actually brought to you by my courses that are getting the brightest updates yet, and they're really going to help you show up consistently and grow your brand on Instagram. So they're opening for enrollment super, super soon, and they're really going to teach you how to create engaging content, become an industry expert on Instagram, and truly grow your brand for the best results. So the updates are going to rename and revamp them as Instagram with impact, which is all about my organic growth strategies for growing on Instagram and showing up on Instagram. That's really in a fun and profitable way. And then I have my video course, Shine on Instagram Video. So it's going to break down the four types of Instagram videos and how you can effortlessly create videos in your strategy to really build a real relationship with your audience. So if you want to be the first to know when these courses drop, be sure to join the waitlist, which is linked in the show notes. Now let's get into today's episode. I am so excited today to have Alex with me, and we're going to be talking all about management, leadership teams. I'm super stoked, so thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Natasha. I'm so excited to be with you today. So stoked. Okay. So I want to hear a little bit about your story. I kind of know behind the scenes because we were both founding members of the Create Your Purpose, you know, society membership with Quinn. Definitely listen to Quinn's episode if you want to kind of hear a little bit more about creating your purpose and everything like that. But I'd love for you to kind of tell us a little background for people that don't know you and are just connecting with you. Totally. So hi, my name is Alex Black, and I help people manage their people by stepping into their leadership strengths. Um, Specifically, I work with entrepreneurs who are ready to go from doing it all myself to, oh my God, I need help now, (laughs) Um, but have never managed other people before. And it's obviously a completely different skill set. And I also work with some new managers at companies where they don't necessarily receive people management training, like at startups or some nonprofits as well. And so I actually started my career as a high school English teacher, which was a crash course in building relationships. (laughs) I I learned very quickly that people, students, but really, you know, people of all ages do not learn from people that they do not trust. And I had to learn very quickly how to adapt my approach depending on the student. Obviously, very helpful lessons um, in working with people of any age. And my students will always be my first and most special team 
with air quotes. <laughs> um, but after a few years of teaching, I realized it wasn't for me. I was just so, so, so burnt out. Right. Um, teachers are legitimate superhumans. They really are. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have infinite respect for the work that they do. I wanted to stick it out because it does get easier and I didn't want to like quit because it was hard. But my gut told me that I could really use my skills better um, mm-hmm. in a different setting which led me to the nonprofit sector. I still really wanted to work for an organization with a mission that I cared about. And I wanted to grow my skills in managing adult teams (laughs) after the crazy challenge of teaching teenagers. I thought, how hard could managing adults be? (laughs) Um, And obviously it was super hard. (laughs) And during training for my first management role, I found out I would be managing 12 people. And I thought, okay, wow, that is a double digit number. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm grateful again for just like the patience and the grace that my team gave me because it was a really steep learning curve. And now I did receive some training before I started like onboarding training, but really wasn't receiving like ongoing training (laughs) to manage 12 people at a time. So I really was like learning on the job. So I brought what I learned when I changed jobs and I really focused on starting strong with my new team. Um, And I started to become really fascinated with analyzing team dynamics and problem solving, just how to more efficiently work together because there were just inefficiencies in every sector, but I was in the nonprofit sector and resources were scarce. So I was trying to figure out always how can we be the most efficient, but in a way that's leaving everyone on the team feel valued and respected. And so while I was working, I was inspired to really deepen my knowledge. So I pursued my master's degree um, at NYU to study management and leadership. And I chose an MPA program as opposed to an MBA program that more people are familiar with because Mm -hmm. I really wanted to study management and leadership through the lens of how to make equitable change. Um, An MPA is a master's of public administration. And just the more I learned, (laughs) I was like, the need for new and middle managers is just so dire (laughs) in, in every sector. And there's no shortage of coaching for executives. Companies obviously spend billions of dollars on professional development each year, but new managers really miss out on a lot of that training. So all that is to say, (laughs) that is how the manager coach, my company was born, um, which is personalized, unbiased support for coaching and met for managers who are on the ground making shit happen. (laughs) Because I've been there and I know that you are literally keeping the ship afloat and new managers deserve the same quality of training that CEOs get. Oh, yeah. And I think that we were kind of talking about this off the air, but I think that when we get into entrepreneurship, you know, we think of possibly having a team. We maybe think of always being solo and small. You know, you go into it with these expectations, but when you get to the place where you have to scale, I mean, you don't even know where to start, whether you have a small team already on accident or you're wanting to scale to that point. So, where do people start? What is that kind of starting point that you recommend for kind of setting up those norms? as a manager, for creating those healthy boundaries, and for really getting your leadership skills afloat and ready to effectively manage a team. Totally. So my kind of philosophy to management is 
three pieces. So the first is really understanding yourself. So understanding what your strengths are, what are your areas that you struggle in, what are your preferences and how you like to work and communicate. Having a really, really deep self-awareness of that is always the first step. That's always the first thing that I work on with people. They're like, you know, I, I want to be able to better communicate or delegate and do all these different things, but it really starts with you and really understanding yourself. Um, and then the next piece is to kind of do that same process, but with your team. So often, especially when people, if you're an entrepreneur and you, you know, all of a sudden your business grows a ton and you just need help, right? Like you're just quickly like <laughs> looking for people, you quickly right. onboard people and we kind of skip this step of really taking the time to understand the people right behind the job. Mm -hmm. So really taking the time to understand your team members, what are their strengths, what motivates them, what are their long-term goals, what are they afraid of, right? These are all things that help us when working with others. And then the last piece is to figure out how to build a bridge to strategically fill the gap between your differences. That's really what working with other people is, right? Because if we all worked exactly the same, there wouldn't be any <laughs> there wouldn't be any conflicts, right? If we all had right. the same values and beliefs and communication style and all that, right? Like there there'd be no work to do. We would just mm -hmm. all do the same thing. But the work is really in figuring out how do you bridge that gap between how you operate and how your team members operate. And not assuming that everyone works the way you do. <laughs> right. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs go into it thinking, especially if they start out with like an assistant or a VA, totally. you know, they assume that they're automatically going to know what they need help with and they're just going to adapt to their business. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think that assistants probably have the like more uh, skill sets to adapt to each client. I know even as a social media manager, I've had to do that myself. But I think that it's really important to understand that everyone works in different ways, whether that's as specific as tools or as specific as giving feedback, right? Oh, totally. So, you know, people, <laughs> everyone has like really weird feelings about feedback or not, I shouldn't right. say everyone. Some people are great at giving feedback, but people get kind of weird when it's like, oh, like I need to tell this person something. And and really, it's because feedback is often not a routine. It's not mm -hmm. given consistently. So feedback is really the most effective when it's timely. So given like as close to in the moment as possible, it's specific and it's actionable. So let's say, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you just hired an assistant who's your first hire and you are, <laughs> you know, a couple days pass by and you're like, oh, I've been meaning to tell them this, but now a couple days have passed. So maybe I'll just wait till the next time it happens. And then it happens again. And then you kind of feel, mm -hmm. you know, awkward about it because you didn't mention it the first time. Right. And then it's like a whole spiral. So definitely being consistent and timely, but also kind of going back to what you referenced earlier about establishing norms, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Not assuming that when someone starts working for you, even if they are a super adaptable person, because that's like the nature of their job, their role in working with you, that you are asking them questions and being curious and not just assuming that, oh, because they wanted to work with you, that they 
are super clear on your values, that they're super mm-hmm. clear on your mission, super clear on how you work, right? We have to be super explicit about those things and then also revisit them <laughs> because mm-hmm. often during an onboarding period, people are overwhelmed. Like they're just yeah. getting a lot of information and they have to just like start the job and figure it out. <laughs> so it's really important to revisit those expectations consistently, whether that's through, you know, your one-on-one meeting with the person or a weekly team meeting. But if we only mention those expectations one time in the beginning, then they're just going to kind of float away. Exactly. And I feel like you touched on something that I definitely learned the hard way is the feedback part. Because I think one of the biggest common things I hear is that people are like, well, I'm just such a perfectionist. I feel like I do it better myself. And so then you get into that habit of you assign something and then it wasn't done, you know, just perfectly. So then you do it and then you keep doing it. And then you're like, well, I just wish they would help me. But that feedback component is missing because if they don't know when they did really good or when they did really bad, or when there was that in between where you just want to give constructive feedback, how are they going to edit it and do mm-hmm. better the next time? Totally. And that's that's probably the number one thing that people share with me that they're struggling with is delegating, right? Which right. is kind of like what you're describing. It's like, yeah. I know I could do it better and quicker and they're not doing it the way I like it done. Yeah. So instead of investing time, which does take time on the front end to really model it for them. And it doesn't mean that their way of doing it is wrong. But if you do have a specific way that you need it done in your business, you need to actually teach and model that for them, allow them to try and then give them specific feedback on what they did well and what they could improve and like repeat that maybe two or three times. But that's going to be a much better use of your time than (laughs) if every time that task needs to be done, you spend an hour fixing it and then your team member is going to start to feel really badly about themselves. They're going to be like, why does she keep editing my work, but like not telling me about it? Exactly. Yeah. I think, and I think people that, you know, I always try to think of things of me being on the contractor's side of things Mm -hmm. where if I post something on Instagram and the client completely changes it or last minute they, you know, so they don't like it or whatever, if I'm not getting feedback from them, I really don't know. So I'm so glad that we touched on that because I think that's definitely something that people commonly really struggle with when they're starting with that team leader role. And I'm curious, what are some other ways that we can like have healthy and effective communication, whether it's within our team or with clients and other collaborators? Totally. So I think that the first thing is really understanding different people's communication preferences and not assuming them. Again, this all goes back to like being curious, asking questions on the front end. Anytime you're starting a new working relationship with someone, whether that's a client, a team member, a partner, anyone that you're working with, because what often happens is that the two different you and the other person have different expectations, right? That's where most conflict comes from is when expectations are not aligned. So if you don't explicitly talk about, like, I prefer to be communicated to in a very direct way versus somebody who is like freaked out by that, you know? (laughs) And if you don't talk about that on the front end, then communication is always going to be kind of funny or awkward. But 
one of you may not know. (laughs) And then those things start to like fester and then it becomes harder to like understand and be aware of what the root cause is. So definitely healthy and effective communication starts with asking each other questions up front and then also establishing the norm that you will give each other feedback or let each other know when something like isn't sitting well with each other. Because if you set that expectation up front, it gives you permission, right? To like call something out when it happens. Um, But if you don't establish that your team member, or if it's like a client, somebody may not feel comfortable or know that it's okay to talk about that. Right. And I think something that I've kind of learned from my team is, yes, they all have very different personalities, Mm -hmm. but what they really receive well is me just asking, how did this task go? How are you feeling this Mm -hmm. week? Are you overwhelmed? You know, what are you enjoying? Always just asking, can I communicate something better? Um, They might seem like very base level questions that you're almost like insulting them to ask. No, they're not. But no, it it makes people feel seen (laughs) and heard. And even if there's nothing wrong, it's opening up that communication like you mentioned. Yeah, it's so important. And I'd say also, you know, it, it depends on the nature of the relationship. But for the most part, if it's someone that you're working with super regularly, then I always recommend having like an established one-on-one meeting that doesn't necessarily need to be every week, depending on, you know, how closely you're working together, but definitely having an established time and place where you are able to communicate these types of things, because obviously it's not always going to be the time, right? Like in the middle of a work day to bring up maybe like a bigger issue, but if you have an established meeting where you routinely right give and receive feedback then it just becomes a habit it becomes normal that you are bringing up issues as soon as they happen and talking through them as opposed to letting things go it's the small things <laughs> that become big things oh, right yeah. it's not very often that it's like a really big conflict that causes a rupture on a team. It's usually something small that goes unaddressed and it just builds and builds. Oh yeah, definitely. And I want to talk a little bit about those more difficult conversations, Mm -hmm. whether it is like client or team breakups, maybe it's a discovery call that they thought went really well, but you weren't really vibing with or if you're getting like a request for an event or, you know, a collaboration and it's just not a great fit. I think saying no and basically handling things with grace can be really hard when you're in that leadership role. Do you have some pointers on how to have those really, really tough conversations that I think a lot of us avoid? Yeah. And I talk about this a ton with clients Mm -hmm. and on my Instagram, people avoid difficult conversations because they're personal. Like that that's what makes them difficult. They ha- usually have to do with like our identity in some way or our values, something that just really like rubbed us the wrong way in a very like deep and personal mm-hmm. way. Usually, not always, but often is what, that's what makes the conversation difficult. So, my advice always is in those types of situations if you find yourself in a conversation or in a meeting and it starts to feel like this is not <laughs> this is not going well <laughs> is to always pause and just acknowledge it and say you know I would like to 
pause this conversation for right now so I can just take some time to reflect and then come back to it mm-hmm. at a later time. Whether that's later that afternoon or maybe it's the next week totally depends you know, on the nature right. of the conversation. But in those situations, it's always really important to get some distance mm-hmm. between those like icky feelings and then like what actually happened. Because often what we do is, you know, someone could just make a comment and it really irks us. It really rubs us the wrong way. And then our whole perspective or interpretation of like everything else they're saying has changed. So then we make up a whole story <laughs> about, <laughs> you know, their intentions and all mm-hmm. this stuff, which usually is not true. Like we're making up a lot of stuff. Right. Um, so always important to pause so that you can take a step back and reflect on what actually happened. So like what was said or what was the action versus like, what are all the assumptions I'm making mm-hmm. <laughs> about the situation? And like, why did it impact me the way it did? And being really clear about that so that you can communicate it to the person when you talk to them about it. And then second, I would say to always plan out your conversation. Of course, you, you can't plan out every conversation that you have, but for these like kind of like difficult, meaningful conversations that you need to have with people, always recommend planning out so that you can share what is the purpose of the conversation and then share with them like what was the thing that you know either upset you or the thing that you need to give feedback on and then share with them what are the assumptions that you made, right? So you're, you do have to be very vulnerable. And then always, if you can, <laughs> practice these conversations. Mm-hmm. So do a role play with somebody that you trust, even if it's just one time, and then get their feedback on how it went. With these kinds of conversations, we like work ourselves up and we like add in all this stuff when really we just need to be like really clear and direct with people. Mm. So role playing can help you kind of get out like the jitters, get some feedback before you actually have the conversation. Oh, that's so good. And I feel like one thing that I know I'm guilty of is like when you're kind of responding, whether it is in a call or in an email that you kind of over explain and feel like you need to (laughs) give all these details. What are your tips with that? Because I think like you kind of gave some really great tips on like pausing, not being emotional, you know, practicing, but like what is necessary to share and what are things that you kind of just need to like process internally and just like let flow away? (laughs) Totally. So I think it also depends on the nature of the relationship. So if this is someone you work with closely, like on a daily basis, I'd say it's more appropriate to share, you know, kind of like how it impacted you and why it impacted you the way it did. Right. If it's someone maybe that you don't work with regularly or you there's no like foundation of trust there, um, I would not recommend like divulging all those extra details right. just because then you're kind of opening yourself up to potentially be like more hurt, you know, by yeah. someone that you don't have an established relationship with. Um, so for those ones, I would keep it like as concise and direct as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. I would love to dive into kind of the onboarding, getting set up with like a new team member. What are ways, because I mean, of course people, you know, in a lot of ways, sometimes you can plan for that hire, but sometimes Mm -hmm. you're in a busy season and you're like, I need help as soon as possible. So kind of what do you think that process should look like? And maybe like going over some SOPs, like how to establish those, how to start thinking about those now, even if you're not ready to hire? 
Yeah. So I think always, you know, and again, of course, this is going to depend on the type of season that you're in. If you can pre-plan or you're just like, I need help right now. But even if it is a situation where you're like, I need help right now and you just need someone to dive in, I would still always go back when things are more calm and do a more formal onboarding. If it's someone who's going to be working with you after that period of time. Because it is just so crucial to first be so clear on your purpose and your values, because we can't assume that we might interview someone and they're fantastic. They check all the boxes and then they join the team and there's just like a huge misalignment of values and that's just like not going to work. So always being really upfront about the purpose of your business and the values that are like non-negotiable for you. And then second to really spend time talking about those norms. Um, So if you have time to (laughs) pre-plan, you can of course think about those in advance and the norms may not be the same for every team member, for every client, those could change, but as intentional as you can be. So like norms about how you're going to communicate, you know, when and how norms about how you're going to give feedback, how are you going to handle conflict when it comes up and et cetera. And actually thinking about these things in advance (laughs) so that when they come up, there's a protocol, right? There's an established way of handling those different kinds of things. And then again, if you do have time to pre-plan, being as crystal clear as you can with your job description for for your team member, if it's a new team member that you're onboarding, um, because a lot of times entrepreneurs are just like, I need help with this, I need help with this. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> and then they are just like hire someone. They're, you know, in a super busy growth season and then the person starts and they're like not actually being helpful because their job is not clearly defined. (laughs) So it's tough because obviously if you're in a super busy season, you are strapped for time. But even if you can just spend like an hour or two going through like what are the really specific tasks and responsibilities that are a priority, right, that I need. Um, And making sure those are super clear. And of course, those can evolve over time. But as much as you can clearly define that role up front is going to save everybody (laughs) a lot of time. Yeah, I think those are such great tips. And it kind of got me thinking. So if you do have time to prepare or you even if you're trying to kind of make a hire kind of speedily, do you find that like documents with checklists are really helpful? Loom videos? Like what are some things that you usually recommend to your clients to kind of like show what you want done if you do already have processes in place? Yeah, that's an amazing question. So I am a document everything person because you know you can't just assume that if you have like an onboarding meeting and you tell someone something oh oh, that that is going to be sufficient some people are like auditory learners and that is how they absorb information but a lot of people are visual and are going to need something to reference back to so any kind of templates that you can share any kind of you know examples of previous work that they're going to be doing that you can share. Mm -hmm. And in regards to using like Loom videos, those are amazing for things that if you're not able to like model certain skills or certain systems 
face-to-face on the video call and you can show them over Loom, that is a fantastic way to show people. But again, if you have time to pre-plan, I would start by asking the person, how do you best learn? You know, and depending on the size of your team, you're going to be able to customize everything. But if you have a very small team or if it's your first hire and you have the time, then you can actually customize how you are educating, right? Your new employee, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to like spending time doing something that doesn't really help them. Yeah. Oh, that is so helpful. And I feel like that kind of goes into the meeting part because having those video meetings are really important for communicating things regularly, whether it is with clients, whether it's with team members. But I think that a lot of people, myself included, I'm guilty of this, mm-hmm. where you have meetings where you feel like you don't get anything done or you're super overwhelmed afterwards or you're just like super drained. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we make the most out of our video meetings? Because I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I'm obsessed with meetings. <laughs> I have a resource I could share more about yes. after. So one-on-one meetings are... I believe, a sacred time, one-on-one meetings and team meetings, Mm -hmm. but in particular, one-on-one meetings, because that is like the best place to build that relationship of trust. Too many people, and to no no fault of theirs, but use one-on-one meetings as a way to just get through a to-do list. And there ends up being so many agenda items that everyone is left feeling overwhelmed and kind of like drained. Mm -hmm. That's like why meetings get a bad rep (laughs) because they're often treated as like checklists as opposed to like a time to build connection and relationship. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have them be productive and efficient (laughs) and get work done, but they are a really unique time to be able to talk about some other topics. So such as prioritizing well-being. This is, you know, especially right now, right? All, for the most part, all meetings are virtual. Not all, but most. And this is a tough time right now (laughs) for people for so many different reasons. And when we just kind of like jump right into the agenda without like checking in with the other person to see how they're doing, it can feel very like, robotic (laughs) and like, wait, I'm a, you know, I'm a person, like I just came from another meeting and that kind of impacted me in this way. So I'm in this headspace, right? Like, um, so that is always number one is to check in on how each other are doing. My favorite tool for that, that I've used with like every person I've managed that I suggest for clients to use is, um, a glow, grow and intention to start your meetings that way. So a glow is something that is going really well, something you're excited about either that day, that week. Um, A grow is something that's like kind of challenging or you're disappointed in or you you want to do better Um, and then setting an intention for either that day or that week. And it's just a great way to like ground yourselves in that moment because we just go from meeting to meeting (laughs) and like no one's ever really present, (laughs) right? which is why people feel a dream. Mm-hmm. I love that exercise. Yeah. And then, you know, one-on-one meetings also are a great time to check in on short and long-term goals to discuss how you can better support and manage, right? It shouldn't just be like the manager giving a bunch of tasks to 
their team member. It should be a two-way conversation. So how can I better support you? You know, you're working on this project. Like, what do you need for me? What resources do you need? What kind of support do you need? So that it's more of a conversation and less of a checklist. Yeah, that's really powerful. I think that goes back to the feedback part that you Mm -hmm. were kind of mentioning is just like having that open communication. Because I think a lot of times you almost assume as a as a leader or mm-hmm. a manager that you can't have relationships with the people on your team. Oh no! <laughs> right, I mean the personal part is essential. Essential. We're we're human beings. We can't, you know, we don't stop being ourselves when we're working. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's essential to to connect, especially now. Everyone, you know, everyone's so isolated. And so separated. Um, and that connection is so, so important on a human level, but also as a means to working better together, working more efficiently together, more productively. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so powerful. And I'd love to kind of end off this conversation because I feel like you gave so many amazing tips on things that people can implement right away or can start intentionally thinking about when they're getting ready to hire. But I'd love for you to maybe see whether it was like a common mistake or transformation that you've seen in your own clients that has really made the biggest impact. Maybe it's like a team exercise or something they do on their meetings or a tool that they use. Like, what do you think is like one thing you can think of that really has made a big transformation there? Yeah, that's a great question. And not to be repetitive, but (laughs) meetings really are like a really, not easy, but are a place that I do start with a lot of clients because that's when you are touching base with your people. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, you probably talk all day on Slack or on Gchat or whatever tool you use, but your meetings are when you come together and connect. Right. So that is a really, again, sacred time to make the most of it together. And so really working on how you plan for your meetings is something that And this is the resource that I have available for download on my website, which is planning meetings that matter. (laughs) And that really goes into different types of questions that you should be asking yourself when you're Mm -hmm. planning any kind of meeting. Um, So that can apply to one-on-ones, that can apply to team meetings, that can apply to um, meetings with clients or with a partner you're working with. Any kind of meeting where you need to achieve some kind of purpose with another person or group of people. And I think that has really made the biggest difference with a lot of clients and teams that I've worked with is being intentional mm-hmm. about how you come together and how you work together. Right. We will definitely leave that resource in the show notes because I think that everyone could use that in any type of meeting they're having, especially with clients too, because I think that can be something a lot of people struggle with. So we will definitely leave that resource in the show notes. But thank you so much for sharing all your amazing wisdom about management. I feel like you make having a team and communicating with clients feel so much less intimidating whenever you talk about it. I'm like, yes, it's, it's easy. You just got to give feedback. You just got to <laughs> communicate all those things. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it is, I don't know if it's necessarily easy, but right. a lot of it is simple and foundational and are just things that we skip over because we were never educated specifically on these things, right? right? Like people don't receive training on how to communicate and how to manage other people. (laughs) So um, it is really simple and foundational, but it does take practice. 
Yeah, absolutely. And along with your freebie, where can everyone else connect with you? Yes. So the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. I am the manager coach. So that is where you can find me. And my website is themanagercoach.co. Awesome. We will leave those in the show notes, but thank you so much for having this awesome conversation with me today, Alex. You're so welcome. Thanks, Natasha. Thank you so much to today's expert guest for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.